0: Out here in the perimeter there are no stars Out here we is stoned, immaculate Hello and welcome, this is David Eastall, The C86 Show Another special as I've been digging through the archives and finding interviews that I think I should put out there for the general public I'm that kind-hearted Anyway, this is an interview I did last year with the artist-singer Anne Pickell. This is it, unedited, raw, exciting. I think you'll love it. Anyway, here it is. Enjoy. Yes, could you just give us a bit of a background of of your your growing up years, the childhood I, years?
1: Well, you know, I do come from um, a Pigalle. You, you know, I mean, I grew up at the back of Pigalle. You know, in 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 Montmartre. So obviously, you know, subconsciously. I'm sure it had a, an effect on me, and only when I was, was a lot older did I hear, did I discover the history, of course, of um Montmartre and, and the Sacré-Cœur. So it's all really, really in, interesting in a way, because when when you're little, you you lead a certain life, but you don't really know. You you know, it's only when you're older that you kind of d- discover. So. Um, So I grew up there. I moved to a different district when I was a little bit older, which was the Latin Quarter. So, and my childhood was basically between um, Montmartre and and the Latin Quarter. Uh, The the family story is very long, so I'm not going to go into this right now, but I had quite a, you know, quite a a humble uh, upbringing. But both my parents came, though, from very kind of artistic backgrounds. So it was a very strange um, a mixture. And um, I mean, do, do ask a question because I'm going to jump quite quickly. I mean, I, I was a bit of a strange child and then punk times uh, happened.
0: Yes. Because just to say, I don't normally say yes or no, just because it often, it kind of does something to the connection a bit, you know, for a few mini seconds. So sometimes, if you haven't heard me say anything, it's just because I'm listening. So I just just throw that in. But I I noticed once when I was saying yes, yes, no, absolutely, it kind of would make the broadband connection a bit odd. So every time there was a little bit of a, it was almost like a, not a hiccup or something like that. So yes, your parents were very artistic and... Yeah. So what when did they, they do came
1: that kind of culture. I mean, they, they were. I mean, my my father was a musician to start with, and his mother was a friend of Jean Co- Cocteau. I mean, the family uh, history is very complicated, and my life story probably would take twenty books. You, you know, <laughs> so there was always this background, even though you know, as I said, we grew up very very humbly at the beginning, because uh, my you, you, you know my father decided to, to leave his background. You know, it's very complicated. But I was, you know, living in um, Montmartre. <laughs> so, what better can you ask? So, of course, uh, not everybody knows, but there is the connotation with the artists, and of course, the connotation with with, with the uh, a Commune, which is very important because La Commune, which was one of the most historical important thing in in the world, you know, as a political event, was also the start uh, of of the Cabaret in in France. Uh, because um, La you know, the Sacré-Cœur was uh, not part of Paris at the time, and it was only annexed by the King of Paris because the King of Paris made a deal, and I, <laughs> this is it, this is how important it all is, because he said, if I can annex you, uh, I will not make a tax on the drinks. And that's why all the cabarets started around there. You know, they started in Montmartre because they could sell the alcohol quite cheap. And that, of course, led to the first ever uh, a cabaret, which was the um, famous Chat you know, the most famous um, a poster in, in, in the world. But uh, so, so there is a big link, even though obviously when I was a toddler, I didn't know anything about this. Uh, but it was obviously in the air. You know, it was um, around me. Mm. So so it's a very, very interesting, um, you know, that part, the turn of the century in Paris, uh, around that district was obviously very, very interesting. And the influence on, on so many things, because there is no doubt that punk was influenced by, by this, because obviously Ma, uh, Malcolm McLaren was very in, in influenced by that time. And that's why before he died, he made this film, you know, which was called um, a Paris something Yes. It was all about, you know, old footage and old um a cabaret idea. But so it all it it all kind of started there, you know, the 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 artists uh only around that time, you know, it was a hundred years of art that was made by artists that were actually uh, a crazy, you know. Yes. <laughs> after that it became a corporate and after and before that it was also a bit um a corporate. So you know, this was a really crazy time. Le Chanois was also a very um, a radical um, a cabaret. People have this idea that a cabaret is like a tinsel um, a curtains, but no. Originally, the cabaret was a very um, a political, um, a provocative place. You know? Yeah, yeah. So-, so you know, I could go on and on about this because this is part of the things that I'm really fascinated in, and and. Um, and yeah for me that time was one of the most fascinating time because it redefined art for a certain time and it it defined what what cabaret you know controversial uh, performance was uh, about
0: yes So fast forward into the sort of late, so so going to the late 60s, there was a lot of obviously political unrest and the sort of that whole 60s kind of culture that we sort of saw a lot in from, from sort of London and sort of in America as well. And also Paris. So was those sort of things also happening within your childhood?
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. Because when we moved to the Latin Quarter, I lived opposite the university where May 68 started so you know i I always seem you know it's very strange but i don't always do it on purpose but i always seem to be where things uh happen you know and i remember my my father going down um, recorder and recording the the sounds you know of of my 68 and of course you know my 68 the situation is that the posters all this was very influenced i mean by the cabaret of the turn of the century you have to understand that you know i'll Alfred Jarry, you you know, we invented um, pataphysics, so that was, you know, the science of um, trying to find a a problem to situations that didn't have a problem. You know, he was very surrealist. It was surrealism before, you, you know. So what I'm trying to say is that everything else like that, you know, came from that. And and the whole thing about you know the cabaret in, in Montmartre and Pigalle and after the story of the Commune is that it came after the, the Franco-Russian, you know, war and and all these things you know do have their 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 importance. So if, even though this is not strictly about me, this is what has influenced me. If yes. you see what I mean, yeah. you know, all this madness. Well, <laughs> Give great. me a bit of madness anytime. And that's it. Yeah.
0: So, so then fast forward and again, obviously, you then got into the sort of the punk period ah. of 77. And Do then. Did I hear a cut? Um, oh, yes. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So, um, so fast forward again to sort of 77 and 78, there was the punk period. Okay,
1: David, we just got cut off, so I don't know if that's a problem, but uh, can you hear me?
0: I can hear you, yes.
1: Okay, okay I just didn't hear you for a few seconds.
0: Okay, that's fine. I was just going to then say, then sort of fast forward into the next kind of great sort of um, wave of, I suppose, counterculture that happened, you know, after 68 time and the late 60s, then to sort of the late 70 period with punk. And obviously right. you, you were there again sort of at the forefront yes
1: <laughs> well you know by chance i mean in a way cuz I, I was you know with my girlfriend at school and and her uh, boyfriend you know happened to be someone who was quite influential in in the punk time so so you 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 know it's just it's just like i don't always do it on purpose but i think maybe my energy is looking for something you know so it 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 happens so we used to hang out in you know these uh shops where all, all the bands used to rehearse because a lot of english people don't know that but punk was very much you know america london but um a paris in between you know a lot of the punk people lived in, in paris you know uh um Malcolm was in Paris all the time, you, you know, the people rehearsed there. There was, you know, there was a lot of things happening there. And the English at the time, they didn't like punk at all. They, they thought it was too, too sleazy. You know, so Nick Kent, who lived in Paris at the time, uh, wrote something about punk, and that's kind of how it started. And this guy in Paris called Marc Zermatti organized the first uh, punk um, uh, festival, you know, where everybody was punk. And before that, you know, The Clash, all these people were not accepted in... In England, and a lot of people aren't aware of that. Some people are. Uh, so, there was a big chapter like, like this, you know, in, in the Beatles' time, the, Be- the Beatles had to go to Amsterdam, you know, to come back here and get accepted. And it's a little bit what happened with punk. So, uh, as I said, not a lot of people know that, but because I grew up there at the time, I, I know that. <laughs> so, I was very much part of it. <clears throat> yes. So, I used to yeah, go on.
0: and I was going to say, because obviously you, you've got this. Um- but the but also you had this kind of very amazing vocal didn't you you had a fantastic voice described as the golden voice yes. of an angel so uh, so obviously your you you know your sort of artistic career was it just solely music or was it you know other sort of genres as well
1: well when I was a child i mean there was not um, a career you know i mean it, it kind of all my artistic um Turmoil started really with the punk thing, um, you know, and, and then I met uh, my boyfriend in Paris. I mean, I was still very, very young, you know, who happened to be um, a Glenn Matlock's best friend. You know, so they, you know, they used to, I mean, they used to come and pick me up at school in, in Paris. You know, you have to understand I was very young. And I used to come here, you know, when I had big breaks, like, you know, three, four days at, at a time. So so I, I was there, you know, in Paris and, and in London. And so it was a short time, but it was a fantastic time that, of course, is, um, you know, is a big influence for, for me. I just happened to be there. Yes. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> what can well, I say? Well, uh,
0: there's an, you know, some people do have that sort of amazing ability. And obviously, then sort of moving into this sort of the more 80s period, which was the post, post-punk period. And for me, there was that sort of wave of kind of indie stuff that started to happen. Yes. And, and also sort of a lot of dub reggae, because you became sort of, um, well, you met Adrian Sherwood, who was this legendary producer yes.
1: on, okay, on, you new know,
0: sound, on New Sound.
1: By chance. I mean... When I was in Paris at the punk time, I had a girl's band, okay? So when I finished school, you know, this didn't really work out. People were not as involved as, you know, I, I wish they'd been. So I decided, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the, the singer. So I moved to London and, and I knew some people because obviously I used to come here quite a lot, you know. And um, again, I met Adrian by chance and he had some downtime at the townhouse and uh, we did some tracks and, and I was lucky. I mean, I, you know, my life is not that easy because I don't choose the simple choices, but I am lucky in the sense that I always meet the interesting people or the people that I do find interesting. So, you know, it's nonstop, <laughs> it's nonstop. So when I came over, uh, very disillusioned by, by the fact that it was the end of punk, you know, I thought, well, what can I bring? What What can I offer? Because obviously I wasn't going to do a, a punk band once punk w- was dead, so uh, so I decided. Well, I'm going to use my my culture, you know, which hasn't been used a lot. Which a lot of people, even the punks, were quite, you know, um, they, they, they they were not very uh, excited about it. You know, they didn't think it was interesting. And I thought, well, I don't care. I'm going to use my culture. So I started to to re- research a bit more into the kind of you know Piaf because I didn't listen to it Piaf when I was a child. I mean, it was there, you, you couldn't avoid it, because I'm French, but, but I didn't make a point of, of you know, I listened to, to people of my age, you know, David Bowie, Ghip Hop, you, know, yes. <laughs> you know, a better underground, you know, this is the stuff that I grew up with. But I thought, okay, it's the 80s now, so what can I um, contribute? What can I offer? What can I be good at? So that's when I put this project t- together of doing this kind of more chanson things, Even though people like Trevor Horn, of course, you know, they love to to say that they actually made me. But as you can see, I already had a very big past behind me. (laughs) And the whole concept of the French chanteuse was nothing to do with ZTT. You know, this was my project. So I put it together. And of course, at the time, a French singer was a little bit too much, you know, for the English record companies. So zt and was the only label that was kind of interested in in backing me up. I mean, backing is a big word because they never really backed up financially. But, you know, at the time it was interesting. We didn't know where it was going to go. It did give me the opportunity of making a record. You know, I mean, it's not like I was um, controlled or I I was told what, what to do. You know, it wasn't like that. So, with my kind of young years of experience, I made a record in my name. <laughs> yes, well,
0: that's really impressive because with Zed's TT records that we sort of got to know, I mean, obviously, Trevor Horn created quite a sort of production sound that um, you either loved or hated. And it was kind of a bit of a tricky one because a lot of the mainstream pop was kind of in the 80s, had that Trevor Horn sound. And a lot of other people, yes. like myself, preferred that kind of more indie stuff and like the Smiths. But obviously ZTT Records was also an interesting record label. It did also have the, I think they were the German band called Propaganda as well. Didn't yeah, they? I mean,
1: it was very interesting at the time. It's true when it started because of the concept of the label, and the concept of the label was very much due to um, a Paul Morley, you know, not um, a Trevor Horn. And uh, my record was never produced by um, a Trevor Horn, so it doesn't have that that sound. Uh, If it had been produced by Trevor Horn, it might have been a a huge hit, but we were in the studio together once and it, it wasn't really gelling. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, he mixed a couple of tracks and things like that, you know, so so I, I was always a little bit the odd one on ZTT, because I, I I mean, it's the record still has this lush sound that some people think is a little bit overproduced, uh, but I was a little bit, you know, always the odd one, but the record did come out, <laughs> and, you know, it established me in some kind of level, but but in a way, you know, my punk past is so important to me in terms of what defined me. And then it was nice to make a record, you know. And then after that, they, they were not treating the artist very well. So everybody left. Um, and so after that, it was, you know, I mean, I had a a seven album deal, which I, I left. I left that, that option. You know, uh, we all... Left. It's not like we were thrown out. I think it's very important to precise that because, again, you know, uh, some people like to, to say the wrong things. So after that, I, I went to um, America because my big idea was to, to make a film. It was to make um, a musical film.
0: Right. Well, just just uh, just before we just get to America, because because the one sure. thing I've the one thing I've always noticed with people and their, I mean, the thing that most people. I've noticed I'll edit that bit <laughs> the one thing that I've noticed with a lot of people and records and making music is that they often get caught out with the publishing right and the management and dealing with all the basic kind of admin and business side and most bands that I've interviewed bizarrely I sort of didn't realize this until I started interviewing so many was that they have this kind of five-year arc of the they you know they release a single or they they form a band they release a single which makes you know kind of a little bit more of a sort of a get a bit more attention than than the norm. They often got picked up on the John Peel show. Then they did the album, they did a tour, and then everything started to go terribly wrong on the second album. And if anybody ever toured America, it seemed to be the one thing that absolutely destroyed the band. So five years is often the sort of the arc of uh, most artists. So how, did, how did you all... You know, because obviously signing a seven-year, a seven-album deal with a record label seems incredibly optimistic. Actually, I don't know if it was just what people did back in the day, but uh, yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, I think it was, it was something people did in the day.
0: Yes, so they didn't. I mean, did you did you manage to sort of keep hold of your music, or is it just kind of owned by? No, others? no,
1: it doesn't belong to me, unfortunately. Um you know, the past is the past, and I mean, I, I don't condemn it. It was a good experience, uh, but we made the demos for for the second album, and uh, Peter Hamel was going to produce it. Uh, Peter Peter Hamel from from Van der Generator, you know, very nice guy. Obviously influenced a lot of people, and and you know, was a bit in my in my kind of style. Uh, but then Trevor Horn and ZTT started to be really o- offensive and they said to me, you will never be Anne if you leave us, if you don't stay w- with us. So that's not the thing to say to me <laughs> because <laughs> I had a big past. The really funny thing, and I'm, I am a bit no- naughty in that way, is that when I was with ZTT, I never, ever spoke about my, my punk past. I kept my, my past very, very uh, secret you know, I was very secretive about it because um, because I knew I was in a bad deal. So I didn't want them to think that they could own anything. I know some people would rather not talk about what happened, but you know, I'm an artist who believes in the truth. I'm an artist who sings the truth. So I have no problem, you know, um, telling what ha- happened. Uh, so, you know, saying that to me didn't work. So I just got up and, and I left. Because, you know, in any kind of um, relationship, you have to um, respect the people, you know, the people that you work with, that that you you are with, and that was a very disrespectful thing to say, because I, I wrote my songs, you know, I, I got my own ideas, you, you know, I'm I'm my own boss. Yes. <laughs> you know.
0: And also, (laughs) you must have created quite a scene around you because you also sort of started a club up while in London as well, didn't you? Which attracted the people like Andy Warhol and and David Bowie, which is obviously quite something to be able to do.
1: Again, it was kind of luck. I mean, my boyfriend wanted to do a club, and I wanted a, a nice old fashioned place where I could sing. A friend knew about this place and it was the right time because I I was a proposal and uh, they never wanted to be like a rock club. right? So the idea that we wanted to do a kind of, you know, French type of night, you know, that pleased them so that they let us have the the place, you know, and it was the most successful club in, in London ever okay and and again it, it, it's just lucky being i mean having the ideas but also being at, in the right time at the right place you know so that was a great experience of course but um uh, the singing was more important to me but it was very complicated with the record company and and all that uh you know but as as dita meyer from um a yellow set the great thing with you is that you haven't actually uh picked Yet, so, so this is all to come. <laughs> yeah. But so, it's true, but,
0: yes. but it's really true. So look, yes, yeah, so then, then, then you were just about to jump to America when I just asked you a bit more about the local yeah, language. So, so yes, then the, the, then the trip to America.
1: Because what I do is very theatrical. You know, I've always been influenced by um, a visual. So I always thought, uh, during, you know, I, I didn't want to repeat another album. That's also partly why I I left, I didn't want to do the same thing twice. You know, I'm, I'm not that kind of person. I always need to be very creative. So I thought, yeah, you know, I'd like to do some kind of filmic um, project for the next, the next album. Um, so when I was in LA, I, I played a lot of gigs, but I never was looking for a typical recording contract. So, you know, I was hanging out with all the film people and I eventually met um, Donald um, Camel was mainly the responsible uh, creative force behind um a performance and that was of course a fantastic thing because not only he used to come to all, all of my gigs and he was a great fan but you know when i was a teenager um a performance was a great influence of course so so you know this was very good for the for, for my confidence and it uh, was a great influence on me and then he died so you know that project kind of didn't happen and after that, I came back to London, and I made a lot of experimental things, you know, like um, a poetry and and kind of sex, sexy nights, you know, but more something to do, you know, something to do with the the, the cabaret, you know, the um, the essence of the cabaret, the thing that I was talking about at the beginning. So something a bit controversial, a bit tongue in cheek, you know, and. Um, yeah, when I started to do that in London, you know, uh, people were quite shocked. I mean, now everybody has their own take, but they kind of missed the the, the the point. Really, I mean, for me, the whole point of any art and music is to try to kind of, uh, you know, make things move. You know, make things move uh, along. You know, push um um uh, boundaries. It's not about it's not about you know uh, copying what other people do. It's about creative creating something to totally you know new in terms of energy and so you know I did that and then the the visual work came from from that you know I started to paint and I started to take photography and I had a you know a fair amount of success with with that it's a non-stop enterprise (laughs) yes I
0: can see and and it was interesting because because a lot of people again sort of going back to you know a lot of the people I've been interviewing Again, they they often have a very short, you know, in retrospect, a very short kind of moment of creativity, which they obviously didn't realise was going to happen. I don't think anyone had a plan because often things happen in their late 20, in their late teens and early twenties, and then sort of things get very messy, and and just dealing with that emotional fallout is is often enough to push most people over the edge. So. Again, you know, it seems that you've managed because you haven't just had a few years and then disappeared for a, a decade. You know, each decade you've you've sort of packed an awful lot in. So how have you managed to sort of sort of surf that kind of, you know, the waves of sort of emotional <laughs> ups and downs?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not saying it's been easy every day. But I, I, I like the idea of going um, forward, you know. I mean, it's Jimi Hendrix, isn't it, who said you have to keep on moving. <laughs> and I very much feel that way because as a creative person, I wouldn't be able to stand, stand still, you know. Unfortunately, I haven't had um, a children. That is something that might have kept me um, um, a, a busy. But as it didn't happen, I kept going on with my art. When I lived in America, there was no Internet then. So people didn't really know what what. what uh, uh, what i was up to but i was you know touring um, america quite a lot uh always involved in some project you know uh you know i'm, I'm always doing something sometimes it doesn't uh, come out publicly but always doing something with people always 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 uh so yeah i'm really a non-stop uh, ball of creativity <laughs> and what would That's you it?
0: And what that's would you say it. to your kind of 18-year-old self, you know, if you'd sort of bumped into them sort of backstage and just said, oh, actually, just have, you know, a few words of wisdom? What would you sort of whisper in their ear?
1: Well, I I never, I mean, I knew I wanted to have an exciting life, you know, that's that I knew. I didn't know what was going to happen or who I was going to meet. I, I think... Um, I mean, a lot of young people, not all, and I want to make that clear, I don't think everybody's like that, but a, long, a lot of young people have been a little bit brainwashed, you know, le- uh, uh, lately. And they just think, oh, you know, being a, a, an artist or a musician, it's a career, I mean, a financial um, a career. And, and it's really more complicated than, than that. I mean, um, it certainly was not my, my main um you know, influence, I create because I love to create and I love to share something. So I, I see a lot of the arts in London. It's not about that. It's about uh, trying to um, cater to a ma- markets. I think in the old days, and especially this uh, turn, turn of the century, you know, where artists were crazy, you know, people like the collectors and, the, you know, they were running after the, these creative people. You know, it, it was a fascinating time. Now the so-called artists run after, the, you know, the um, corporations. You know, it's not right. So I said to the young people, let's all get up and let's change the, the way things are now. Because as far as I'm concerned, you know, Friday evening, a friend was going to play. The gig got cancelled, and I'm like, "Who can we go and see?" You know And there's just not many interesting things. you know you can go and see. there's a lot going on, but not that many exciting, creative things. you know So I'd say to the young people, "Forget about you know how you're going to pay your, your your rent. Just get up. <laughs> get up and do your stuff." Yes. You know but, but not everybody ha- has this kind of call. Not everybody gets excited by creativity. A lot of people today, you know, because of all this stuff on on, on the media, so a lot of people, they think, oh, yeah, we're going to be rich, we're going to be famous, you know. But uh, I think that there's going to be an end to that soon because how long can that go on for? I mean, in the punk this, for example, it was totally uncool if you thought in that way, you, you know. So different periods have different um, um, fashions. Uh, and I hope we come back to a more creative uh, fashion because, you know, people on the Facebook or there. you know, I can't imagine they have such a great time, I, I think. And that's why I'm going to start to do some live uh, concerts. I've done a lot of uh, art um, uh, performance things because I've done a lot of art in the last 15 years. But I'm really going to start to do live, proper live concerts with um, uh, real um, uh, um, uh, musicians because I think that's where it all starts, yes. you know. Absolutely,
0: because it's interesting because there's a few artists that I realised, I mean, this is in the world of music, that, that sort of didn't really have plan B. They were just going to do their music. And that was, that was David Bowie. And the other person was Lemmy. Ah. Lemmy from Motorhead, who I thought was just amazing because he just, you know, that was all he was going to do no matter what. And he didn't really care. And he didn't have plan B and he wasn't going to sort of get a job. So it does, I just realised it does take a lot to be an artist and to just say that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life.
1: It does, because also, you know, I never really had a a proper job because there's no way you can concentrate on what you do, be creative, and and have a a nine to five job, it's impossible. So you really have to juggle, you really have to think really hard how you're gonna live, you know, where you're gonna live, how you're gonna eat, you you know, if you really believe in in what you do. Uh, I mean, my path is a little bit more difficult as well than some other people because being French, you know, and having come here, when that wasn't a very fashionable thing to be made it quite hard but i think the hard uh, path is a lot more interesting and eventually you know i'm i will get and i'm getting what i want so i'm i'm not um a complainer uh, it says pro connection oh
0: no it's just it,
1: fine yeah so i'm not complaining uh each you know each person decide a little bit what kind of life they want to have you know they want security or they want, you know, something exciting. I, often, I don't know what what happen, what is going to happen the, the next day. You know? And so you have to, you have to create each day as as it comes. Uh, also because I have chosen quite a difficult path. I mean, I'm I'm a woman. I'm French. You, you know, I, I do a work which is very um, challenging. I don't say obscure, but quite challenging. So, you know, it's not easy every day, but when it works, it's fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely,
0: <laughs> because because the, cause in this um, decade, basically, I think it's to, um, from 2010, you have sort of released a series of albums, which I guess are sort of on your own label, or at least you've got the same publishing rights. And there is a theme that runs through them as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I recorded a lot because now you can record things at home. So I recorded a lot of different bits and pieces, some experimental, some electronics, some um, a poetry, some sexy stuff, you know, some s- surrealist stuff. And so I, I've been, you know, releasing them in, in all kinds of strange forms. And I thought, well, since I'm a visual artist and a painter now, you know, uh, in the last few years, I've, I've been doing this, this Madame Sex art CD where I paint each cover individually so it, it it kind of teams up the art and the and the sound you know and that was fun too you know that i mean that's been one of my most successful thing you know in in the last few years and so that's quite fun too because it you know i had things on itunes and things like that and you don't really know you know it's not straightforward uh it, it's very uh hidden uh you know before you had lps so you know exactly um but you know this itunes business you know uh, I I don't really like like it plus a lot of the work the kind of sexy work is not something that I want to to have on i iTunes so I took the stuff back from from that and I, I thought well I might as well make a collector's CD you, you, you know it's a little piece of art so a lot of fans who probably never have owned a piece of art in their life could get at a very affordable price a little piece of art with some songs inside you know i thought that was a very good idea
0: yeah absolutely that's very nice and i'm um, obviously doing it so what are you what's your sort of project that you're working oh, it's on it's breaking up a bit here oh yeah i was just going to say last question hello what? oh are you still there I'm hello st- oh i'm here i'm here hello hello yep are we still there now can you talk Yes, I'm here. Yeah, it, I it a, just broke up for a bit. Yes, but luckily we're still we're still connected. So look, just one last question. What's what project are you working on for this year and the and the, and the next couple?
1: So, <laughs> so, you know, when I was in LA I started this music film project, which was basically a totally different way of exploring the idea of an album. And, you know, it was very complicated because Donald Camon died. Then I came here. Then I I tried to do it as a kind of live show, but it was too expensive to make. You know, it's gone through a lot of different uh, forms. So now what I decided, you know, I had it record. I recorded this album. So I've got a brand new album. It's a proper album, you know, with proper songs, um, which I recorded three times because I wanted it to to be right. So I recorded it with... um, a Leonard Cohen a musician in America, you know, all kinds of things. And it didn't really work out. I realized that, you know, to have my vision, totally mine, I had to do it by by myself. So I, I wrote the songs, I produced them, you know. And so I've got the, the album, it's finished. I've got great people playing on it, like um, a Glenn Matlock, you know, from the Sex Pistols. I wanted people that had been in my life to actually be part of this project. I've got um, Nina Simone's um. A drummer, you know, it's a big thing. It's, yeah. it's, my, it's my masterpiece, okay? So I've got this album finished, and I'm just about to start. Uh, I've been procrastinating for a couple of months because I've, I've been between um, projects and things, you know, but basically I'm going to start to shoot small films because, you know, the, the thing, it was, was going to be a, a film to start with. But now I decided because I am so, I've been so involved with the arts, you know, I'm a visual artist, so I might as well do it my, um, myself. I mean, you know, it went to such, to so many di- different, um, experience this project. I, I, I was in LA after I did a tour in Mexico, I was in LA and I went to see a, a, a big studio there. And they say, yeah, we want to, we want to do this film. We want to buy it. And then, you know, they, they say, oh, maybe we'll get Odreto to, to, to play you. And I'm like, uh, well, I'm not dead yet. And uh, this is a very personal um, a project in the sense that, you know, I don't want to make um, um, an American film. You know, this is a European art film. So, so you know, I've come to, to the conclusion that I'm going to shoot some um, art f- footage for this film. So I'm just about to do that because I don't want to release this album by, by myself. Because the way it works today is that if you release it yourself and you don't have a big um, a company in, in your to, to back it up, it's dead in two weeks. So this is like really really important uh, album. It's fantastic. I mean, I'm so I'm so pleased with, with it. Uh, it took me a lot of work, but I'm very pleased with it. So you know, I, once I, I do a little bit of filming for for the soundtrack and all that. I will find a way, you know, to, to I don't want to really sit in a normal way. It's not a normal album. It's going to be a very important album. So that's a big project. And uh, I'm going to start to, um, I'm going to start to play pro- proper, proper gigs again. That's very important to me because I am a performer.